Welcome to the Ready Yeti Podcast, where we tell the story of startups in the outdoor sport industry through the voice of their founders. Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Ready Yeti membership. We've grown to have thousands of products from some amazing up and coming brands, anything from skis and snowboards, jackets, hiking boots, even supplements and snack bars. It's an incredible way to save a ton on gear with discounts of up to 50% off. Join the Ready Yeti membership and do your part to help support some of these incredible small businesses that aren't just making incredible gear, but are also putting a lot of effort into social action and doing their part to create an environmentally conscious business. Join today at www.readyyeti.com members and start supporting these amazing startups and saving a ton on gear. This week's podcast is sponsored by Hiker Hunger Outfitters. Hiker Hunger Outfitters is a company founded by hikers who take pride in creating outdoor gear made for movement. With over 80,000 happy customers, their products are designed with you in mind and they truly care about your experience with their company. Whether you're a hiker, camper, walker, explorer, or weekend adventurer, their products are made for all types of people that care about getting fresh air and staying active. Their most popular products are the two models of trekking poles, carbon fiber for those looking for a lightweight option and aluminum for tougher terrain. Check out either of these models if you've been in the market for walking sticks. Just read the reviews to get an idea of the benefit they provide and how they've impacted the customers in a positive way. Hiker Hunger Outfitters is all about community and offering high quality products that are accessible and useful to anyone looking to continue exploring, no matter what age or how active you are. Visit HikerHungerOutfitters.com to see all of their products or call 877-700-7227 to speak with Cindy, their go-to customer service rock star. You could even text Emily, who happens to be one of the co-founders, at 413-627-1004. She's one of the friendliest people you'll talk to and she loves meeting new people. As an added bonus, Hiker Hunger Outfitters is offering a discount for first-time buyers. At checkout, just type in the code NEWGEAR15 and you'll get 15% off your purchase. What is going on, Ready Eddie Podcast listeners? Josh Salvo here, your host. On today's episode, I am sitting down with the CEO of Boker, Karsten Felix. Karsten, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you. Okay, so for the listener that may not be familiar uh, with Boker, how would you best describe uh, your brand to them? Well, we are based in Germany, um, in Solingen, uh, the city of Blades. Um, probably most of you know products out of Solingen, um, famous kitchen knives and, and hunting knife, pocket knives. And Boker is the largest manufacturer for sporting knives um, in Europe, um, sporting and outdoor knives. If you take away the Swiss Army knives, which is a different, different type of product in our understanding um yeah that's it we have a long history um you know um we care for passion tradition and innovation and and these three things um have been carried us for 300 almost 350 years of company history now that's so interesting. So let's talk about that. Obviously, you're not the founder since the company started in the 1600s, 1674. We were talking about offline. Yeah. Um, could you walk us through a little bit of the of the history of, of Boker? Yes. Um, well, Boker um, 
as I said, Boker is uh, based in, in Solingen, um, and Solingen, uh, very close to Cologne and Dusseldorf, uh, two major cities and uh, um, in Germany, in the western part of Germany. Most of you guys have heard of the cities, I, I assume. Uh, two, of course. <laughs> two, hours, uh, two hours north of Frankfurt, north northwest of Frankfurt. Um, and um, and this our region um, is pretty close to the River Rhine, so we have the, the people had the River Rhine to um, to move products um, um, on the river. Um, it's uh, it's a hilly um, hilly area. Um, it's close to the rural area where we have um, iron um, and, and steel making, and it's uh, and and a lot of woods. Uh, so we have woods. Uh, we have um, um, woods, we have water, we have um, coal mines, everything that you need to uh, to make blades. Um, and that's how all uh, started um, in the late 1300s. Um, they started to make blades here, swords, knives, and they did a really good job, high quality knives. So the demand was high in all, all over Europe. To get blades out of uh, out of Zoling, and um, well, in this history, um, Boker is, is integrated, and um, and the oldest um, proof for our history uh, we have um, is um, the trademark registration of our Boker tree from 1674. So that's where we can prove it all started. The company is, is older, but um, all the other documents were destroyed in the Thirty Year War here in Europe, when you know they they burned down the churches where all the historical documents were were kept. But um, that's pretty much our story. And um, in eighteen in the nineteenth century, um, the Boker family um, was yeah uh, thinking in a very modern way. Um, thinking about international business connections. Uh, they sent out uh, sons and cousins into the world um, out of this region. So there was, um, at the end of the 19th century, um, US, uh, Boca companies in the U.S., in Canada, in Russia, in Argentina. Um, and they did, uh, so they had a network, an international network, um, Boca network, and uh, did business w with each other. So very interesting. Today, of course, you do that. <laughs> the international network. Every company has that. A uh, bigger company, but in those days, that was pretty pretty amazing. And um, since then, Boker is pretty well known for good pocket knives, sporting knives, hunting knives, outdoor knives. That's so fascinating. Okay. Now let's let's talk about sort of your connection and how your family became involved with Boker because I know it is now still a family yeah. business uh, because you and your sister now run um, the company. How, how did your family get involved? Yeah. Um, I just carry on with the, with the history uh, um, shortly. Um, you know, this network was functioning very well, um, but then two things happened. Uh, First World War and Second World War. Um, First World War, you know, um, a lot of the Boker companies were based in countries that were fighting a problem, but how they all survived. 
But then Second World War, really, it ended because, um, I mean, today it's a historic thing, but um, uh, in the Boko product, uh, um, Boko product was made in, in Solingen, in Germany, for the German army. And there was a, a company in New Jersey, Boko USA, manufacturing knives for the U.S. Army. And they met on the battlefield. Um, that's so, amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. It's, it's really amazing. And... Um, so, um, well, then the war, the war ended, um, and um, as Boker was an enemy brand, um, it was confiscated by the U.S. government. Um, and then um, um, John Boker, who lived in New York, um, bought the brand and reopened the, basically um, the company in, in the U.S. again. Um, the German headquarters was totally bombed. Burned down. I mean, uh, the Royal Air Force um, bombed Solingen in November 1944 completely, as they knew it was um, weapon industry in the in the city. So the, the the company was completely destroyed. But very soon after the war, um, they built it up again. And in the late 40s, beginning of the 50s, the production was running again. And they directly started um, exporting knives to the U.S. again. Um, and then it was ups and downs. Um, several Boko USA was, was sold and um, the trademark rights were sold to several companies. And then it, um, it ended up at the Cooper Group, you know, big, big company for tools. They had the Boko trademark rights. And we sold knives to them. And then in the 70s, um, 1970s, my dad was hired by the Boker owners. Um, the company was in shaky times. He was hired as a manager and made basically a management buyout and then bought also the trademark rights from the Cooper Group back. And that was in 1986. We directly then founded a Boker USA in Denver, Colorado again. And since then, um, and in 1983, Boca Abolito in Argentina. So since then, we have the three companies in Solingen, in Buenos Aires, and in, in Denver. Um, and my dad ran the company, and then it was, again, a family-owned uh, business. And in, yeah, 20 years ago, first after university, I um, joined Boca, and then a couple of years later, my sister. That the same. So now it's my sister and myself running, running Boker. What's it like running Boker with with family? It's big, big fun. Um, it's really big fun. Uh, now, uh, um, because family run business, just think long term. We are not listed at the stock exchange. We don't have private equity investors sitting in our back looking for a short short term profit. Um, you know, we um, we always think in long terms um, and not in short term um, short term scenarios. And so, you know, um, it's it is big fun, and and we run the company, you know, and um, we make the decisions, we make the mistakes, sure, but we have, and then we have to pay for them. But um, it's 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 our business. It's it's a pretty big responsibility and also risk definitely but um we are in charge and um i enjoy it and um it's fun 
That's so interesting. So let's talk about sort of the the growth of the business, at least while you have been um, running the brand. How have things sort of expanded um, in the last 20 years, or I guess maybe even longer since your father um, took over the business? Yeah, um, you know, every business is, um, has its up, ups and downs, but Boker uh, grew, grew quite, a, quite a bit in the last 10 years especially um, um, because... You know, we are the reason why we are 150 years in business is uh, because we always keep our eyes open and ask ourselves every day, what can we do better? Where is an opportunity? Where is a risk? Where is um, a new possibility? You know, um, and this you have to do every day. I mean, everybody is, is telling this, but if you own a company, you have to, because um, especially in these um, in these times where everything turns quicker and quicker and and um, and uh, um, risks uh, um, appear very quickly. Um, well, again, you have to to um, keep your eyes open uh, and look. And while we are in a let's say in an old school. Um, business. We are not in the software business or computer business, you know. Um, um, so everything is a little bit more conservative in general, but still, we ha um, we have to look, for example, for the new um, for the new possibilities that the internet um, sales offer to us. In, in the meantime, knife sales on the internet or online sales is a huge part of our business. Um, 20, 15 years ago, nobody would have thought about that. Um, you know, things like that. Um, we were big in the catalog business. Um, we are still big in the catalog business. People love to go through um, high quality catalogs, but of um, but the younger generation, yeah, um, concentrates on, on online um, things like you do, like look at your business. <laughs> I think 15 years right. ago, 15 years ago, if you would have told your business model to somebody, you would say, what? <laughs> it's true. It's so true. Very fortunate to yeah. have the internet. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So tell me about the, um, the manufacturing process. Um, it must be challenging to a, um, manufacture, um, on the quantity that you guys manufacture, and then also keeping the quality um, piece high, and then keeping sort of sustainability in mind as the business develops and grows. How has that been um, in sort of managing over time? Well, our biggest challenge is um, the cost of labor. Um, you know, um, a German a manufacturer in Germany. Um, has always the highest cost on this planet um, regarding the production. Um, regardless if you if you build cars, tools, knives, whatever. Um, you know, we have a very high standard here. We have high taxes, very uh, skilled labor, um, and but you have to pay for it. So you always have a cost disadvantage. Um, but, um, if you, um, yeah, so you have to offer a great quality, you know, a fantastic quality. Again, look at our cars, look at other things that are made in Germany. People expect uh, the highest quality for a product 
that is made in Germany. Um, and, and you have to fulfill this um, expectation. Otherwise, people don't touch your product. Um, so that's the, our challenge. You know, we have to be very innovative and we have to offer the highest quality. And then Boker is in the good position that we have a long history and a, a well-known brand and people know us. Um, so, you know, if you have built up your brand, um, you can work with this very well as well. So, um, you know, but of course, we're, we're, we're watching what's going on in Asia um, and in, in other parts of Europe. And we team up with other makers. You know, we have um, not everybody is willing and able to afford two, three, four, five hundred dollar for for pocket knife. We know that. So we, but we want to offer knives to 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 these guys who say, hey, fifty bucks is, is good enough. Um, I don't need a, a Mercedes in my <laughs> a Mercedes pocket knife. Um, you know, um, but I want to have a good knife, and we offer the this type of knives as well. But then it's not branded and with Boker Zolingen, it's branded, for example, with Boker Plus. Boker Plus means it's a knife that we totally um, construct and, and design here in Zolingen, but it's not made uh, here in Germany. It's made either in Italy or in Asia or in the U.S. That's interesting. Yeah. That's smart. It gives you a good opportunity yes. to sort of tackle different markets and not have that constraint of... Yeah expensive labor that you have in Germany. Correct. Correct. So let's talk about in current situations, um, it being May 27th while we're recording this, so we're sort of in the thick of it with uh, COVID-19. How has that affected um, your business and the manufacturing um, over the last few months? Of course, um, it affects our business, but... Um, it's always my goal and my sister's goal to um, spread out um, Boker as much as possible, you know, to to, um, to split risks. So, as I said, we have a company in Argentina, we have a company in the U.S., and uh, we have a company in, in Germany. Production is, by the way, in, in Germany and in Argentina. Um, so, um, and we have a very well-functioning um, distribution business as well so we are because of our strong sales force in europe um, a partner for well-known american brands like columbia river spiderco sog um you know those companies um who are basic basically our our competitors in the us um but we are partners here in europe that is working in um in the knife industry pretty well because it's a small industry. Um, you know, we know each other very well. We honor each other very well. And um, so we, we can, you know, we can say, hey, okay, in this country, we are competitors, but in this part of the world, we team up, you know, because um, we know each other, we trust each other and work together. So, so you know, we are not only a manufacturer and, and not only sell our own, stuff so to speak we also have a strong distribution business and of course a growing um online sales business so um coming back to your question um we did uh we directly reacted um facing um the corona uh, crisis um with um uh, setting up a shift system 
in, in our production or in the whole company, at all Boker companies in the US and in, uh, in Germany. We have two shifts. Instead of working from, let's say, 8 to 6, you know, 8 a.m. to 6, 6 p.m., uh, we said, okay, first shift is from 6 to 12, and then disinfection of the company by an external um, company, and then from 1 to 7 at night, second shift. So you all directly have split the risk by 50%. Then, then we use home office, of course, a lot. But And with this, um, we, um, yeah, we are right. No, we are, we are really happy. Um, and we lose, a, we lost a lot of business with our retailers. Of course, the brick and mortar business, the retail stores, they suffer um, big time. But on the other hand, our online sales channel, um, you know, um, is booming. Um, and I think that's not no um, exception. I think a lot of companies see that happen. Yeah, it's interesting. It makes you wonder, like some some businesses that may have dragged their feet with getting their online businesses set up are definitely feeling it right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> feeling that sort of mistake over time. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about um, trials and tribulations. So over the last twenty years of you being with with Boker, what would you say have been some of the biggest mistakes um, that you guys have have made? The biggest mistakes. Um. Uh, we are um, Boker is uh, operating in three um, three product fields, so to speak. Our um, strongest position is in the outdoor knife um, business. Um, you know, pocket knife, hunting knives, outdoor knives. That's where we are market leader in um, in Europe, definitely, and and a well known player in the, in the US and a very well known player in South America. Um, but we also um, operate in uh, straight razors. You know, the straight razor business is, um, I mean, traditional sure. straight razors, you know, forged like like grandpa <laughs> did it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, with all the barber shops. And um, we, we did this um, until the 50s before the electric shavers came up. And then we dropped this field. So we, we picked it up again um, in 2000. But that's a that's not a mistake at all that we picked it up. Um, we um, so that's a um, very successful uh, field number two and field number three is our segment product segment number three is kitchen knives. And kitchen knives we is for us um, you know a small portion of the business, um, but but. Um, Volume-wise, if you if you look worldwide, I mean, this is by far the biggest part in the knife business. Everybody has kitchen knives in his household. Everybody uses daily kitchen knives. Unfortunately, not everybody has a pocket knife. So we're working on this. Right, right. <laughs> we're working. That's our mission to turn everybody in a, into a pocket knife collector. But. <laughs> 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 so we're, ma <clears throat> we're making progress but it will take a little uh, time so um and we learned um in in the kitchen knife segment um that you must not just follow the tracks of the big players that doesn't lead you to um where you want to get to um you have to find your own ways you know kind of make guerrilla marketing um to 
to push your product in this segment. And we um, made some progress in the last years. Um, you know, it's um, but this is the high, a highly competitive um, segment. Um, yeah, everybody can see it. In, you know, in, in, in the cooking stores or cooking schools or department stores, how many kitchen knives are, are offered, and very big players, very well known companies. So, if you want to make progress in this segment, um, and you are not a giant company, you need um, you know alternative uh, promotions. That's interesting. So what have been some of the alternative promotions that have been working for you guys to sort of break into that well, industry? Again, the online uh, marketing helps a lot. You know, it used to be that you have to pay a fortune com TV commercial or um, um, uh, an advertising campaign in the New York Times, you know, <laughs> um, nobody can afford. But today with, you know, social media um, influencers and, and, and those guys, um, you are able to gain a lot of territory. But still, you need a good For product sure. and you need a good story and a good product. And But but um, then all the pockets, you are able to, um, to gain market shares, definitely. That's interesting. And that brings up an another sort of question I want to ask. How, how would you, like... In terms of the quality of the knives, um, and let's talk, I guess, specifically about outdoor focus knives, pocket knives. What really differentiates uh, Boker from other sort of brands out there? Would you say? Uh, regarding um, regarding outdoor knives, especially. Uh, yeah, sort of the, the the why would someone pick a Boker knife over over another brand in the outdoor market specifically? Um. Okay, number one, um, he should not have uh, – um, um, how do you say that? Uh, should nothing have against uh, German-made product, you know. Um, I, I know that our uh, U.S. Um, competitors hammer, especially in North America, um, into the heads of the consumer by an American-made product which is totally correct. I would do the same in their position, you know? So we are, we have a Europe made or German made product. So if somebody says, no, I, I definitely a hundred percent only would buy a, um, a U.S. made product, then okay, then it's bad luck for us. But if, if somebody says, no, I want to have a, um, a high quality German made product and from a company um, that is so long in business and such a long history um, and uh, proven in many, many ways for centuries that they offer um, yeah, um, and, and, and trust in our, in our customer service especially, um, you know, with our lifetime guarantee. Um, that is something... Um, that, um, that, uh, that that we offer, and we are very well known in um, um, in the hunting business. Um, you know, you don't get the you don't get in the our Boker line crazy designs, very modern. You know, the knife 
or how many designers are entering this part of the industry and come up with crazy, I mean, positive way, crazy designs, um, amazing designs. Um, you know, but that's not our our thing. We out of Germany, you get the the high quality, um, little conservative um, handmade product that you can in the best way of then hand over to your son and he hands it over to his son and you know how, how that works. And and then people start collecting knives. Right, right, right. Yeah. No, it's interesting. It, it brings up a good point. The, the focus on quality over sort of look is I guess what I'm I'm taking away from um, from what you're saying. And um, number one, every and it's all handmade, you know. Um, it's our knives are really handmade. We have a lot of videos um, online on YouTube and and, and um, that show that in 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 Germany people are sitting there um, and and manufacture these knives by hand. And the product tells it's made by hand. And and this is um, what people like to see. Um, you know that that really the product shows it's it's made by a human being and it shows passion. For sure. Now, where, where do you see Boker um, going in the next year, five years, ten years down the road? We are on a growing path and we will grow uh, further on because people care for for these three things: what we have, passion, tradition, and innovation. People are very interested in our history. And they say, oh, really? No, you're so old. And I hear this all the time, as you said, well, you're older than the United States. I can't believe it. Um, yeah, there, and there's a reason why we are in business so long. Um, and, and people love this. And, and we, we do a lot of commemorative things. Um, you know, we manufacture um, blade um, steel from, from battle tanks, you know, the barrels of battle tanks, um, even the from warships, you know, um, the, um, we have, maybe you heard of the, the, the turrets, everybody knows the Bismarck. It's, it's the big, big battleship of the German Navy that was sunk in the second world war. And there was a sister ship, the turrets, and we were able to, to get steel from the original ship and, uh, we manufacture it to knives. So people say, Hey, I have a blade and it's part of the, this, this battleship. You know, um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So um, this, you know, collectible stuff, history, history stuff. And, and we're very authentic. People know what they get if they buy a boker. It's not a huge marketing, blah, blah. Um, it's real. Yeah. I mean, you can't fake the history. That's for nope. sure. It's nope. definitely something that you guys have that yeah. um, I don't think many other companies have in, in any industry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let alone knives. Um, what would you say is the best part about running uh, Boker? As I said before, um, I'm, I'm, I'm an absolute team player. Um, I sit down, um, you know, with, with my teams, um, uh, in the different departments discuss and, and, um, you know, and oftentimes I'm wrong. I, I go into a meeting with a certain attitude or opinion and 
the guy said no and convinced me of the opposite or, or an alternative and I said, yeah, you're right. Um, let's, let's go that direction. So, um, and we're learning from each other and, um, that's, and my job is to, to put together the right guys into, into these teams that they drive the business, um, that they drive the business. I'm, I'm, I'm for responsible for the general direction of the company and the strategy, but all the, um, all the details and all the, um, um, you know, all the details are, are decided, um, by, by the, um, heads of the departments and the teams behind it. And, and I love to, to work with people and, and, um, you know, I love to, to meet people from other countries, um, learning to learn about different cultures, um, and habits. And, and that's very interesting for me. And my job offers this to me. I travel a lot to Asia, to North and South America, and um, I love it to to meet people from other countries. And I'm sure you have one hell of a knife collection. <laughs> no, you know what? No, I don't. <laughs> I'm honest. Interesting. <laughs> I don't, and I'm I'm not a hunter. I'm honest. I'm not a hunter. It's um, I love the product. And I, of course, I have a lot of knives at home, but I'm, I'm not, I don't have the biggest knife collection on the planet. No. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, but. maybe to be honest, that's if you are too emotional, if passion is definitely one of the very important things, but if you are too passionate, if you take everything too emotional, then you're, it becomes difficult to become, to be a good manager. You know what I'm saying? It's um, yeah, I think that's great advice. Yeah. Um, emotion, definitely. Passion, yes, but don't get too much involved. But, um, I know some guys in the business that are they live and breathe knives twenty four seven and take every tiny detail personal. Then it's getting tricky. Um, so you need a certain distance. Um, yeah, it's sort of you get stuck in the in the trees. You can't yeah. see the forest. Correct. You can't see the big picture view when you're stuck Correct. like that in the minutia of it, um, which is sometimes it's good. But obviously for your role of trying to guide the the brand, yeah. it definitely uh, can hinder that growth and, and direction that you want to move in. Yeah. Um, I find this interesting and so fascinating, and and, it, and this is definitely probably the oldest brand we've ever worked with, with the longest history, okay. um, being around for so long, which is really cool. Um, but I I want to thank you, Carson, for for coming on the podcast and sharing your story and the story of Boker, and um, we're definitely looking forward to seeing um, all the things that you guys do in the future. And for anyone listening to this episode before June 30th, you can actually enter to win um, some outdoor uh, knives from Boker. So just head over to Ready, for, Ready Eddie for your chance to win. And, and Carson, thanks again so much for coming on, on the podcast. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, then we would be incredibly appreciative if you could log on to iTunes and leave us a quick review. This really helps us get noticed by other podcast listeners like yourself. And if you know anyone that would benefit from this episode, then please share it along. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Ready Eddie Podcast. We'll catch you guys next week.